This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Network. My name is Nick Berlansky and I am your host here as we will dive through the biggest stories, as always, across the National Hockey League. Changes in the air, folks. It is December. It is the holiday season. But a couple of front offices are not feeling merry and bright. And changes in the air for those organizations. We'll talk about that first. And then a little bit later, we're going to discuss... The 2022 Beijing Olympics, as of right now, we still have NHL participation. But how long does that last? Will the NHL pull out? Where do we stand right now? I will discuss that in segment number two. And in segment number three, we are at the quarter pole. We're a little bit past the quarter mark of the NHL season. The quarter mark was about a week or two ago. But there have been some pretty big surprises. There's been some teams that have underwhelmed, for sure. And I feel like I've talked about them throughout the beginning of the year already. I mean, the Islanders, the Chicago Blackhawks, for a multitude of reasons. But I want to talk about the biggest surprise teams at the quarter mark. Three teams that are doing way better than I expected at the outset of the season. So we'll discuss that at the end of the show. But I want to start off be- because, I mean, that's they're the biggest news stories going around here early this week. Changes in the air in two NHL cities, the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Change has to happen there. Both teams have underperformed. Both teams had much higher expectations. And and both teams have now made drastic changes to their coaching staff and their... uh, The Flyers haven't changed their front office staff, but let's start with the Vancouver Canucks because they, they got a little bit more drastic. On Sunday night, The Vancouver Canucks decided to clean house, basically. Fired four people, including General Manager Jim Benning, Assistant General Manager John Weisbrod, Head Coach Travis Green, and Assistant Coach Nolan Bumgartner. So this is a situation where Vancouver looked at their team on paper, as we all have, and said, Why is this not working? There has to be an issue here. Because we have a player like Elias Pettersson. We have players like Bo Horvat, like JT Miller. We have a player like Quinn Hughes on the back end. We have a goaltender that is playing pretty well in Thatcher Demko. Why, Why can we not win hockey games? And that's not only this season. Why did we not win hockey games last year? None of those names are new to this season. They added a guy like Connor Garland, who's pretty talented. Vasily Podkolzin has come up. He's pretty talented. Why are we still not winning hockey games? Canadian cities are particularly tough to not be successful in. There's a higher expectation. This is Canada's sport. 
So whenever you're in a city like Vancouver and you're working as the general manager or as the head coach, there's a little bit more pressure to succeed. Well, Vancouver, despite from the playoff bubble in Edmonton in 2020, has underperformed basically every year since 2011 when they went to the Stanley Cup final. They've underperformed. There were a couple of those years where they just didn't have the talent. But now for the past couple of seasons, they've had the talent. On paper, they have looked good. At the very least, they have looked like a playoff team. But last year, they weren't bad. They were they were awful. And this year to start, again, they're not bad. They're awful. With all of these good players, the bulk majority of them are underperforming. At some point, it's not the player's fault. At some point, it will be the player's fault. But the first thing that has to happen is you have to look at their leadership. Canucks fans have been calling for the head of Jim Benning and calling for the head of Travis Green since at least the beginning of training camp this year. I mean, after last year, to say that they were in the hot seat would be an understatement in the city of Vancouver. So you knew they had to come out and play well to start this year. You knew Jim Benning had to go out and make some good moves in the offseason. And the highlighting move is bringing in a guy like Oliver ekman Larson with an Alcatraz of a contract, hoping that, you know, a new scenery will help him get back to that level that he was when he earned that contract. And also bringing in a guy like Connor Garland, who is a talented goal scorer. Being able to offload a Louis Erickson, being able to offload Antoine Roussel's contract. And there was one other one. I just can't seem to remember it as of right now. They also lose Alexander Edler, who has been on the Canucks for, for the longest time. He goes and plays down in L.A. instead. So there were some changes made in Vancouver, but it just hasn't been enough. They've been so bad so far. And again, we're past the quarter mark of the season. They've been so bad to the point where they're below expansion Seattle Kraken, who is not, I mean, exception to the mean was obviously Vegas, but Seattle is an expansion team through and through. They're taking their lumps as most expansion teams have done in their inaugural season. Yet they're still not as low as the Vancouver Canucks right now. Heads had to roll, and that's what happened on Sunday night. Jim Benning, John Weisbrod, Travis Green, and Nolan Bumgarner are all out of a job. Stan Smeal is named the interim general manager. I don't know if I should know that name. I don't know that name. So we'll see what he does as general manager right now of the Vancouver Canucks. But there is a recognizable name that's going to be behind the bench. The new bench boss, at least in an interim capacity, for the Vancouver Canucks is going to be Boost Boudreau. When you're talking about a team that has underperformed in the regular season last year and this year, who is one of the best regular season head coaches in NHL history? Or at least in the salary cap era. That's Bruce Boudreau. Former head coach of the Washington Capitals. Those young Ovechkin teams. Former head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. All those years they were winning the Pacific Division. And former head coach of the Minnesota Wild. He didn't really do much there. <laughs> but I mean, you look at him. 567 wins in 984 games as an NHL head coach. It's over 600 winning percentage. It's pretty good. It's a guy with a winning attitude. The Canucks need that. They need a guy. He's the stopgap for the next main big coach. I mean, he's the 20th coach in Vancouver Canucks history, but he is the stopgap. Let's not get this wrong, and he understands that. 
Could he be more? Possibly, but he's Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, you know what you're getting with him. You know what to expect with Bruce Boudreaux, and I think that's the big thing for the Canucks is, with Travis Green, you didn't know what to expect. He was kind of off the wall. With Boudreaux, you're getting what you pay for. Exactly. So, if you're the Canucks, it might be a little bit of stability that you need. If you're fans from the Canucks, it might be a little stability that you need. Obviously, all this news comes on the heels of a 4-1 to loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday, where we saw Vancouver Canucks fan throw a jersey onto the ice. Now, kindly, Brian Dumoulin was able to help out and toss it back into the stands, but yeah, that's that's where Canucks fans were on Saturday evening with their franchise. They're throwing in jerseys, throwing hats on the ice, and not because of the hat trick by Jake Gensel. They were done until these guys were fired. Luckily for them, the organization acted swiftly here. Since Saturday night, they haven't acted swiftly. This this is a move that has been writing on the walls for a while. If you're anybody but the management of the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, this was something that you knew was going to happen. So Jim Benning is gone. Travis Green is gone. Bruce Boudreaux and Stan Smeal are in. Looking at where the Canucks are right now, 8-15-2 on the year. Last in the Pacific Division, like we mentioned. 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games played. So... At least Boudreaux has some talent to work with, though. That's that's the solace right there if you're the Canucks fans. You have a lot of people underperforming. If they can start to at least get close to what you expect of them, this team should at least be able to get up into the bubble territory for the playoffs. They might not be a playoff team, but they might at least be able to win some hockey games and make a little bit more entertaining the rest of the year. You just hope Boudreaux can bring that out in them. Let's move east really quickly and talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Another team that, back in the bubble, in Montre- uh, in Toronto, excuse me, they played Montreal. The Philadelphia Flyers played themselves to a number one seed in that little round robin of the top two teams in each division. They played themselves to a number one seed in the postseason. They went out and they beat the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. Carter Hart looked dominant in the bubble. He looked like the next big thing. They weren't able to get past the New York Islanders. The Islanders have been a tough team in the playoffs the last couple of years, so understandably. But expectations were risen in Philly. They said last year, okay, this is the year. Carter Hart, 82 games, he's going to be good. The Flyers, they're, we're going to be a good team. We're going to challenge in this East Division, and we're going to be good. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Weren't in the top four in the East Division. It was an awful year defensively. I mean, one of the worst defensive performances as far as a full year is concerned in the last decade. It it was bad. And on top of that, Carter Hart was not as sharp as he was. So he was hung out to dry, and he wasn't on his game. Clearly a recipe for disaster for the Philadelphia Flyers. In this past offseason, General Manager Chuck Fletcher basically said, hey, if you're going to fire me, it's not for not trying to change things up. Makes a lot of news. Makes a lot of moves. Brings in, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen, and brings in Keith Yandel, brings in Cam Atkinson, trades out Jake Voracek, gets rid of Shane Goss to spare, says we need a new community, basically, a new environment in the locker room. We need more. It hasn't gone well. Flyers are 8, 10, and 4. They sit in 7th out of 8 teams in the Metropolitan Division. The only team that is worse than them is the 
New York Islanders, whose season we've talked about several times. We don't need to get into that again. But the Flyers are right there. They've now lost eight straight games, including a 7-1 drubbing at the hands of the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday evening. Carter Hart was pulled after allowing five goals, including one where he was way out of his net and turned the puck right over to Matthew Joseph. Embarrassing goal to give up. And again, like that capped off an eight-game losing streak. So the Flyers, clearly, after all those changes, just not where they want to be right now. So with that, on Monday morning, they fire head coach Elaine Vigneault, who was in his third season as Philadelphia Flyers head coach. You saw what happened in year one. This team had a little bit of a bumpy start in his first season. And then as we got closer and closer to the eventual COVID shutdown, the Philadelphia Flyers were gaining steam. It's something that everybody always said, Vigneault in the regular season is great. And those Flyers team, that Flyers team a couple years ago, started to get it. Played well in the bubble, and then obviously they were eventually knocked out, and people were like, okay, well, Vigneault has this team now. Like, this is, we're moving in the right direction. Last year was bad, beginning of this year is bad, and now Elaine Vigneault is out of Philadelphia. Along with him is also Michelle Therrien, assistant coach, former head coach of several teams, including the Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Some people thought, hey, if Vigneault's gone, maybe Therrien takes over. Not the case. They go to the other side of the assistant coach realm, and they promote Mike Yo as the interim head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. The last time we saw Mike Yo as a head coach was, I believe, in St. Louis. He was St. Louis's head coach for a little bit. I, I'm drawing a blank here. I know he coached the Minnesota Wild for a time. I think he also, the last time we saw him, was in St. Louis. So Mike Yo, now the big bench boss in, in Philly. The question is now, obviously, if the Flyers continue to lose, is Chuck Fletcher out of a job? General Manager Chuck Fletcher. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And then, obviously, in Vancouver... Something to keep your eye on as well. Reports came out Monday that a possible name for the general manager position of the Vancouver Canucks is oh, another, none other than Mark Bergevin. Of all things to see, a day after finally ridding yourself of Jim Benning and Travis Green, the last thing you wanted to see is Mark Bergevin's name linked to the Vancouver Canucks if, you, if you're a Vancouver fan. Duh. I feel for him. I really do. If they get Bergevin, it's gonna be it, it's gonna be an entertaining day for everybody outside of Vancouver to watch what happens in that city. That's all I'm gonna say. I feel bad. I feel bad for Dylan and Isha, who are Vancouver Canucks fans, the executive producers at the network here. I feel bad for all Vancouver Canucks fans because they deserve better. That team should be better. We'll see what happens with Boudreaux. We'll see what happens with Smeal. I guess that's I don't know if that's how you say his name, but idiot. That's how I'm gonna say it. Now, looking at these two franchises together, Vancouver and Philadelphia, which one is more likely to turn it around this year? Which one is more likely to take steps forward this year and right the ship? I would say Vancouver. Uh, I would definitely say Vancouver. Not that Philadelphia doesn't have talent, but Vancouver, if you look at the roster, is way more talented than what the Philadelphia Flyers roster is. Also, 
if you're looking at which team was probably held back the most out of these two, was Vigneault holding the Flyers back? No, I think there was just a change that needed to be made there. Was Travis Green and Jim Benning holding the Vancouver Canucks back? I would I would have to say yes. I would think that's an easy yes. So, of these two teams, which one do I think is most likely to turn it around and improve on the rest of the season and potentially climb the standings now that they've made these changes? I would say the ball is in Vancouver's court on that discussion, for sure. So, if you're keeping score at home about NHL firings this year between general managers and coaches, Right now, the score is Montreal won. They fired Mark Bergevin, the general manager, a couple weeks back. Chicago, we saw what happened there. Bowman, gone. Colleton, fired. Florida Panthers, because of the Chicago situation, Joel Quenville is gone. And now we add in Vancouver, Jim Benning, general manager, gone. Head coach Travis Green, gone. And in Philadelphia, Elaine Vigneault is gone. You can toss in Michelle Terrian for a little bit of a extra stuff. But uh, lots of names on the chopping block already this season, whether that be for off-the-ice issues for a couple of them or for on-the-ice issues, which is the majority of them. We'll keep an eye out. I'm sure there's going to be more. There's going to be more. We're starting to get to the witching hour of uh, NHL head coaches. Does Barry Trotz get on the on the hot seat? His team has lost 12 straight games now. They've yet to win still at UBS Arena. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye in Montreal. Is Dominic Ducharme safe there? I don't know. I mean, the general manager's gone. So is Ducharme safe? Who knows? We'll keep an eye on all of that. But I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, let's talk a little bit about Olympic hockey. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The NHL has yet to pull out of the 2022 Beijing Olympics, but that does not mean that the Olympics are safe. It does not mean that NHL players will be participating. It just means as of right now, 
that is what is expected. That is the current deal, and that is currently where we're sitting. The NHL players are still permitted by the NHL to attend the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games. Now, where do we stand now that we are just about two months out? The NHL, or no, sorry, not the NHL, but the uh, the hockey portion of the Olympics is scheduled to begin on February 9th, which once this comes out, that is two months from Thursday of this week. So we're getting close. And that's that's puck drop right there. We don't even have full, full rosters right now, two months out from puck drop of the Olympics. The NHL itself, whenever it agreed with the IAHF and the Players Association that they would allow players to go, they also put in there the caveat that they have until January 10th to pull out without financial penalty. They can pull out afterwards, but considering where the NHL was when it comes to their financial stability after last year, I don't think they really want to be paying money to the IHF just for simply not allowing their players to play. So the date we're looking at is January 10th, just about a month down the road. The NHL, as of right now, has had two stoppages, two teams that face stoppages due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's the New York Islanders and the uh, Ottawa Senators as well. So several other teams also had COVID-19 issues. The Pittsburgh Penguins dealt with a lot of them. The San Jose Sharks dealt with a lot of them. But they did not have to cancel games. So as of right now, when we look at the schedule and that caveat for the NHL to pull out, it's not going to be because of scheduling as of right now. They haven't had to cancel as many games as they deemed necessary, which there is no hard and steady number. But as of right now, they've not gotten to the point where they're saying, okay, you know, we need those three weeks to make up games because of COVID. Now, according to an ESPN article that was also updating all of these factors about the Beijing Olympics and the NHL's participation in it, there was a thought that the players have grown a little bit more weary and a little bit more aware about the health issues associated with both traveling to and staying in Beijing for the Olympics. Obviously, COVID is not only still a major factor in the entire world, but it's starting to pick up steam once again with another variant. I think it's Omicron is what the new one is called. You know, you had the Delta variant, now it's Omicron. It's picking up steam again, and again, we wish everybody around the world all the best of health. We hope everybody stays healthy and stays safe. But the NHL players are also weighing those options right now as well. The latest big news out of this is that Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Robin Leonard, who was one of the front runners for Team Sweden's goaltender in the Olympics, he came out this past weekend and he said that he turned down the offer to go play for Team Sweden. So he would have been on the team, but he said due to health conditions, he spoke to his psychiatrist, he spoke to all the team doctors, and he made the decision that it's probably best for him that he doesn't go there. He's the first basically outwardly spoken star player to say that I'm not going to the Olympics. Even though I was invited, I turned it down. I'm sure there are others. I'm sure there are going to be others that we're going to see trickle in here in the next month or so. But as of right now, the big name is, is Robin Leonard. Other players are going to have to make that same decision. It, is the health concerns and is the health risks enough to overcome the fact of playing in the Olympics for your country? The ESPN article I spoke about 
had Emily Kaplan spoke on it, Greg Wyshynski, all the other staff members of ESPN kind of contributed to it. And they mentioned a fun little caveat there where it said, basically, the older players where this might be their last chance, they're more willing to go. And they're still all gung-ho. I'm sure players like Sidney Crosby, players like Patrice Bergeron, a player like Drew Doughty, they're all sitting here saying, this might be my last chance to play in an Olympic Games for my country. Coincidentally, for all of them, it's Team Canada. But younger players who are saying, oh, maybe a couple years down the road, there's no COVID, the NHL will let us go back, I'll have my opportunity. A player like maybe Jake Gensel, a player like maybe even Connor McDavid, maybe a player like Nathan McKinnon, maybe those players think, okay, I have time to go do that. It's just not worth it right now. It's an interesting caveat. Now, none of those players actually came out and said anything like that, but that's just the the classes that we're putting them in due to older veteran players and younger players that have a little bit more time left. Another interesting little caveat in that ESPN article was that the NHL has basically made a shadow schedule in place in case the league decides, hey, we're going to pull out of the Olympics. Because as of right now, the schedule is set to give the NHL players a three-week break for the Olympics. And I believe a week prior to it, either prior to it or at the end of the Olympics, that they're going to be off. But the shadow schedule would basically say, all right, well, we're going to take that three-week break and condense it into a one-week break, and we're basically going to set the schedule again from that point on. Which, of course, would move the entire league calendar up two weeks. So, as of now, where we stand is the NHL has yet to pull out. They have about a month. I'm sure in the middle of this month we're going to start getting rosters. Where, with that, we get speculation of which team's going to be the best, who should play with who, what are the lineups going to look like, and we will discuss that all here on the Hockey Hotbed. But as of right now, it's still a very fluid situation. There are still players, like Robin Leonard, that are going to just decide not to go. And there's a lot of different things that can change here in the next month as COVID starts to ramp up again here in the holiday season, unfortunately. So, in my opinion, as much as I would like to see NHL players at the Beijing Olympics, not only do I understand where a player like Robin Leonard is coming from, I'm kind of for it. You know, I would really like to see, in a vacuum, I would love to see the NHL players return to the Olympics. I am all for that. I was very happy when I saw that. But at the same time, I don't hold it against, nor disagree with players that decide not to go. And I'm sure most people do. But we'll see what happens with it. Would I go to the Olympics? It's a hard decision. Now, luckily I don't have to make it because I'm not really talented. Uh, <laughs> I have, I'm not a National Hockey League player, nor will I ever be, nor have I ever had a chance to be. But uh, no, if I had that decision, it would be very difficult because especially you talk about that age factor. If you're a guy like Sidney Crosby, who would like to play for his team and his country one more time, is it worth the risks? Or would you rather win another Stanley Cup? State like 
it, it's not that serious of a question because you could still go to the Olympics and be fine and play and then come back and it's fine. But there are a lot of question marks and understandably it's going to be a, a fluid situation that we're going to have to keep an eye on. The NHL, like we said, they have till the January 10th. But if not, we have two months until Olympic hockey starts, which would be very exciting if we did get all of these players to go over. I'm going to take one more quick break and when I come back, Let's discuss the biggest surprise teams at the quarter mark in a positive fashion. Which teams have blown my expectations out of the water? We'll discuss that right after the break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Hotbed presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, that's promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. There have been several surprises at the quarter mark of this season. We talked about the negative ones basically throughout the entire first quarter of the season. We had the Senators, we had the Islanders, the Canucks, who we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Flyers, who we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Blackhawks, bad start, the Arizona Coyotes, historically bad start. We've discussed the negatives. Let's discuss the positives here. Some of the best teams, the most surprising teams, the teams that took my expectations, said shove it up your ass, were way better than you think. And I love it. I love them all for it. It's a lot of fun. Let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. I'm going to name three teams, and then I'm going to mention which ones I believe in the most going forward. Which one I believe in the most. I'll rank them as to where I think they're going to finish in, let's say, the league standings this year. Which one's going to be on top of each other? So there's three teams, starting with the Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that, coming into the year... No, I didn't take them seriously. I didn't even think there was anything to take seriously. I thought they were rebuilding. I didn't know they were done. Like, they're not a team like the LA Kings who said, hey, we went out and signed Philip Deneau. Hey, we went out and traded for Victor Arvidsson. We are done. The rebuild is over. We're going to try. The Ducks didn't do any of that. In fact, there was speculation all offseason long that the Ducks were going to sell Ricard Raquel, that the Ducks were going to sell John Gibson. They held Pat. And we all thought, okay, they want to see what they have. The rebuild's not happening anymore. It's over, apparently. The Anaheim Ducks are in third place in the Pacific Division, past a quarter of the way through the season. In 25 games, they are 13-8-4, with 30 standings points. That's good, like I mentioned, for third in the Pacific Division. They're above Vegas who had a bad start to the season there in fourth. They're above San Jose, who's been another surprising team. I'm not going to go into them too much, but they've been a pretty surprising team as well. They're above LA, who made that determination that basically said, hey, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're going to have to go. We're going to go for it. Pressured a little bit by Dowdy and Kopitar and Brown and those boys. They're above Seattle. They're above Vancouver. But the Anaheim Ducks, in their own merits, have been fun to watch. They've been winning hockey games. 
They've had several really good storylines about them. And they sit in a playoff spot more than a quarter of the way through the season. Like I mentioned, 13, 8, and 4, a plus 10 goal differential. That's pretty impressive as well. The only thing that scares me about this team is that they are not good on the road. They are 4-4-2 on the road. They have to figure that out if they want to have any opportunity at staying in that spot. Especially now that Vegas is getting Pacioretty back, they got Stone back, and Jack Eichel is skating and imminently on his mend for return. So the Ducks need to figure out their road situation. But at home, they're 9-4-2. You don't want to play Anaheim at the Honda Center this year, apparently. 9-4-2. Very impressive. And when you look at their team, a big portion of this entire start to the season has been Troy Terry. He's the epitome of their surprise start. 15 goals, 10 assists, 25 points in 24 games played. Now, let's not lie. That's a bit of out-punting his coverage there. That's a, a There's going to be a regression to the mean for Troy Terry. Not because he has those counting stats, but because his shooting percentage is at 20, 27.8%. He is shooting almost 30%. This isn't basketball. That doesn't hold. So uh, eventually he's going to go cold. He had a nice, what was it, 14, 15, 16 game point streak. And he's having a good season. He's leading the Ducks in goals and points. So he's had a great season. It's definitely helping. He, he's improved and he is dangerous right now. Ryan Getzlaff, who is clearly the oldest player on this team. It's basically Ryan Getzlaff. Cam Fowler's a little bit on the older side. Shattenkirk's a little bit on the older side. Henrique is a little bit. Even Jacob Silverberg, I'll say that. And you know what? Honestly, this is a pretty even match. I was about to say, it's a bunch of older guys. It's two older guys and a bunch of young guys. It's pretty even here. You know, Getzlaff's 36. Fowler's 30. Henrique is 31. Shaddy's 33. And then, like, Delorier at 30, Lindholm at 28, Silverberg 31. So, yeah, it's a pretty good mix here of older players and younger players. When I mention younger players, obviously the big ones I'm mentioning, Jamie Drysdale on defense has been good. And Trevor Zegras. This is a guy that people were saying, hey, watch, him out, watch out for him for Calder. I think, you know, Dawson Mercer has gotten himself into the conversation. I think... Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond have kind of taken over that conversation. But uh, Trevor Zegers is not having a bad season. Six goals, 13 assists, 19 points, and 23 games played. Not bad at all for the Anaheim Ducks. So what I expected this season out of the Anaheim Ducks, when I did my preseason rankings... I did top four and bottom four in, in every division. I put the, the Ducks in the bottom four of the Pacific. Not only are they in the top four, they're in the top three now. Playing really well at home. Like I mentioned, the only thing they got to fix, got to fix that road record. The next team I want to mention that has blown my expectations out of the water. And it's not because I expected them to be bad. It's because I really didn't know what to expect out of this team. And it's a team that is very local to me. I'm going to talk about the Washington Capitals. I've given credence on this podcast several times this season already 
to Alex Ovechkin for climbing up the goal ranks. He has 750 now after this weekend. Scored that on Saturday night. Second fastest player to ever get to 750 goals. Well, he's only the fourth player to ever do it. So he did it faster than Yager and Howe. That's basically what we know. <laughs> Gretzky beat him to it, but that was it. I gave him credence a couple weeks back because I was like, oh, he's a facilitator too. He's racking up the points. He is top three in scoring right now in the NHL with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and he's close. He was in second at the time. But the team is a team that whenever I talked about the Metro Division before this year, I said, hey, it's Carolina Hurricanes, it's the New York Islanders, it's five other teams, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets in last. Well, the Blue Jackets are in fifth. They've played a lot better than I expected, too. But the Washington Capitals are the top team in the Metropolitan Division. And it's it's close. The Rangers have had a really good year. The Carolina Hurricanes got off to a really hot start and have since kind of dipped a little bit, but they're starting to get back out of it. But the Washington Capitals right now, not only leading the Metropolitan Division, but they're tied for second place in the entire National Hockey League right now in points. And they're doing this, surprisingly, without some of their best players. DJ Oshie has missed a lot of time this year. He's only played in nine games this season. Nicholas Backstrom has not played in a single game this season. Alex Ovechkin, like we mentioned, 39 points in 25 games this year. It's impressive. Evgeny Kuznetsov is over a point a game. 28 points in 25 games. He has 20 assists on the season. Coming from a guy that was expected to be traded out of Washington. Those were huge rumors all offseason long. They held on to him, and now he's basically telling them, okay, I get the message. I need to perform better. And this is what the Capitals need from Evgeny Kuznetsov. This is the player that they have needed him to be. Eight goals, 20 assists. They could probably go for a little bit more in the goal column, but he's been playing extremely well. Also over 20 points, Tom Wilson and John Carlson. So yeah, they're leaders that are still playing. I mean, TJ Oshie out, Backstrom out. I believe also, let me go down here and double check, but Anthony Mantha, who was their big acquisition last year, they traded a lot for him. He's only played in 10 games. So that's another huge player out of the lineup for them. So that's three of their best forwards out of the lineup kind of the, the middle of their the heart, the secondary tier. include And then I don't want to say secondary tier because Backstrom's top tier with Ovechkin. They're gone. There's a huge discrepancy when it comes to points after you get past four. Because then it's Dmitry Orlov with 14, then nobody else has 10. But that's just it. Everybody is contributing for the Washington Capitals. There are a bunch of, of people that you've never heard of but they're all contributing for the Washington Capitals. Guys like Connor McMichael. Guys like Connor Sherry. I mean, you've heard of him. Daniel Sprong. He's made it around, but he's playing well. Martin Fervari has played well on defense for them. Alexi Protas. He stepped up for them. Brett Leeson has stepped up for them. Young guys like Hendricks Lapierre has played a couple games. He's not at a goal. 
Garrett Pilon. There's a lot of these names that they're getting in, and they're not playing bad. So that's a team that right now is just firing on all cylinders. They're playing next man up, and they're playing it well. Like I mentioned, tied for second in the entire National Hockey League. I didn't expect the Capitals to be bad this year. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect from them. I said they might be a bubble playoff team is where I was thinking at the beginning of the year. I did not expect them to be this good. I did not. You look at it. Ilya Sansomanov is 10-1-1. I mean, really? 10-1-1 with a 2.39 goals allowed average and a 9.17 save percentage. Vitek Vanacek, 4-3-5. Not as great. They went. He went to Seattle, came back. Not as great when it comes to those numbers, but still a 9.05 save percentage, 2.56 goals allowed average. Not bad as far as a backup. But when you have a guy like Ilya Samsonov that is playing the way that he is, Again, not that I thought Ilya Samsonov was a bad player, but I did not expect him to be doing this. So you look at the Capitals, plus 26 goal differential, 8-1-4 at home. They are amazing at Capital One Arena. And in their last 10, they've gone 6-2-2. Two two. So the Washington Capitals, certainly, one of the teams that this year have been tremendously blowing my expectations out of the water not just from the star level in Alex Ovechkin, not just from Evgeny Kuznetsov bouncing back, not just from Tom Wilson being able to be consistent and put in goals and become one of the leading scorers of this team, but because you hear the news, oh, TJ Yoshi's out for a while. Oh, Anthony Mantha's out for a while. Oh, they're not going to get Nick Backstrom back until the third month of the season. I would have said that they're going to struggle. I would not have said that they're going to be the second best team in the National Hockey League. So that's the Washington Capitals. And the last team that I do want to mention, and for those of you that, that came at my throat for the, uh, the power rankings that I put out over the weekend, the last team that I'm going to mention is the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, they've, they've exceeded my expectations. Not as surprising. I expected Minnesota to finish in the top four in the Central. I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have won the Central Division. That's where they're at right now. They have a seven-point lead on the Winnipeg Jets and are the top team in the Central Division. 17-6-1, a plus-21 goal differential. They're playing extremely well at home, 10-2-0. And in their last 10, they're 7-2-1. So everybody came at my throat because I put the Minnesota Wild as the number 10 team on my power rankings. Okay, at the beginning of the season, I didn't have them in there. They had a pretty decent first month of the season. They were winning some games, but they weren't getting a lot of good performances from their best players. So they still haven't been getting good performances out of Zach Fiala. That's not Zach Fiala. That's Kevin Fiala. What is? What am I thinking of? I don't know who I was thinking of. I, I think I was thinking of uh, Zach Fucali when I was just looking at the, the Washington Capitals stats. But no, Kevin Fiala has still had a bad season. At that point, Kirill Kaprizov was not having a good season. So this month, when I went down to do my power rankings, I said, you know what? I got to give some love to the Minnesota Wild. And I said, I'm going to debut them the first time I put them in my power rankings at number 10. A lot of people were upset about that. I think a lot of people were more upset that I put St. Louis at 7 ahead of Minnesota than the fact that I had Minnesota below anybody else. 
I don't know. St. Louis was great in month number one. That's why they were already in there. So I dropped them. Eh, I don't need to explain it too much. But Minnesota has exceeded my expectations. Heavily. Heavily exceeded my expectations. Now, my biggest question mark for them is the goaltending. Kapo Kakinen is 25 years old. At some point, he has to kind of turn the corner and become that guy, if that's who he's going to be. This year, 4-1-1, he's only played in six games. 8.95 save percentage. 287 goals allowed average. Not great. Not great, Bob. But Cam Talbot, once again, you know, he did it when he was in Edmonton. He's doing it now that he's in, in Minnesota. Just continues to, to shine, and nobody gives him credit. You know, it's actually funny. One guy that you can kind of liken to Cam Talbot is Kirk Cousins, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. He's a guy that you look at his stat line and you say, wow, that's impressive. But then you attach the name, and all of a sudden, it becomes less impressive. It's the same numbers, but because it's that person's numbers, it becomes less impressive. And it might be a bad time to bring that up because the Vikings lost to the Detroit Lions this past weekend. But Cam Talbot himself, 13-5-0, 9-15 save percentage and a 2.71 goals allowed average. It's pretty good goaltending. That's what you need. It's what you need. Kirill Kaprizov. Right back up there, once again, leading the team in points now. We said he didn't score many goals early in the season, but now he has nine. Nine goals, 20 assists for 29 points. Ryan Hartman has had a breakout year for them. 13 goals in 24 games. He has 21 total points in 24 games. That's a player that I did not expect to go out and do that. We mentioned Kevin Fiala has struggled. He has 15 points in 24 games, but only three goals on the year. That's, I think, the biggest worry thing for me when you look at Fiala. But at the same time, when we mentioned Troy Terry, we said there's got to be a regression in the mean. He's shooting at 30%. Kevin Fiala is shooting at 3.6%. Eventually, more goals are going to go in. That number has to go up. The average is around 10 to 14. That's usually what you see. Kirill Kaprizov at 10.8. Ryan Hartman at 15.7. Marcus Felino has 10 goals on the year, but he's shooting at 25%. So same thing as Troy Terry. Eventually, there's going to be a regression to the mean. But this team has been able to find it. The one thing that you could always say about the Minnesota Wild in years past is, hey, you know what? They don't have any superstars, but they're a pretty steady team through and through. You look down their lineup, there's, there's no severe drop-off of talent. They're all basically right around the same level, and they're all NHL players. Well, now they have that, but they're getting really good performances from a star in Kirill Kaprizov. They're getting really good goaltending from Cam Talbot. And they're getting what they need from guys like Marcus Foligno, from guys like Matt Zuccarello, and from guys like Ryan Hartman. You've also seen Rem Pitlick come up big in a couple games this year. So this team is just getting it done. It's getting the job done. And right now, that's given them a healthy lead in the NHL's Central Division. So when I look at these three teams that I just mentioned and talked about for a little bit, at the quarter mark of the season, my biggest three surprise teams in a positive manner are the Anaheim Ducks, the Washington Capitals, and the Minnesota Wild. Which of these teams do I think has the best chance to continue their, their run here? I'm going to eliminate the Anaheim Ducks right off the bat just because they just basically made the statement that they're out of their rebuild. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up in that division, especially when 
eventually, and you're starting to see it now, the Vegas Golden Knights are starting to kick into high gear. So I'm between the Washington Capitals and the Minnesota Wild. Which team is in the division that's going to make it a little bit easier? That's going to be Minnesota. I think that the Metropolitan Division is a little stronger than the Central Division. If for no other reason than the fact that the last place team in the Metro is the Islanders and the last place team in the Central is the Coyotes. They've both been putrid this year, but which team do I think would be better and harder to play against? It's going to be the Islanders. So division-wise, the Caps are in a tougher division. They have teams like Carolina and New York breathing down their neck. And Minnesota, they're facing some teams like, I mean, Nashville's had a decent start to the season. St. Louis was very good at the start of the season, which has perplexed me. And Winnipeg, who I still have my flag behind as a dark horse team, they've had their ups and downs as well. Minnesota has been able to be the consistent team out of all of that. So at the end of the year, where I'm standing right now, where would I rank these teams where I believe they're going to be after game 82? I would say Minnesota, then Washington, then Anaheim. That's where I think it's going to land. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everybody that clicks that listen button, clicks the play button, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from, honestly. That's where we post the Hockey Hotbed. We'll be back with another episode on Friday with another edition of the Three Stars of the Week. But for now, we say goodbye. We say keep an eye on the uh, head coaching carousel and the general manager carousel in the NHL as things begin to heat up across the National Hockey League. We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, hockey fans.